Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. I wonder if you've ever pioneered something new. Um, There are people in our church who have pioneered a new school. Uh, Maybe you've pioneered a church plant or a new church or... Uh, maybe you've just pioneered a new service. I know that there's quite a few people, and even just in the last six months to a year, that in our church have pioneered new services. Or maybe it's not even pioneering something like that. Maybe you've just um, pioneered a new family. Uh, all of a sudden, you found yourself with a newborn, uh, and everything's new. Or, or maybe you've gone into a new job, and um, the, the parameters around that job weren't so clear, uh, or it's a new thing that you're creating. Um, What can happen when we pioneer is that all the usual support structures around us uh, are taken away. Um, Everything is different uh, and all of a sudden you find yourself leading or uh, all the old friendships maybe have moved on and and it's a really difficult thing. And, And you might know that feeling in your heart of like, this pioneering thing is not so easy. You can, for a little while, maybe feel even a little broken, not sure how to orientate yourself. Uh, It really throws you off. But it's in those moments often where we learn to dig deeper. We actually have to find those deeper reserves that are deep within our heart or our spirit, our soul, and, and draw them out so that we don't feel lost or broken all that time. And that's often the process of pioneering. You dig deeper and you find some reserves that you didn't think you had. Um, In my experience of that, uh, we've had a couple of different uh, contexts where we've pioneered, but but mostly around church planning. Um, I went from being uh, somebody who was fed every Sunday to I was doing the feeding. And to start with, uh, it sounds exciting, um, but to start with everything's okay. But after a little while, you're right. If I don't dig deep in my own spiritual journey, and actually feed myself, then I've got nothing to feed other people. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that happens uh, when you pioneer is is that you learn what it is to feed yourself spiritually and bring sustenance into your heart and soul um, without all the help that you might have had to do that. Right now, you're pioneering. You might not necessarily feel like you're pioneering, but you are. You're in uncharted territory around what your spiritual journey looks like, but maybe even your professional and your family journey as well. You actually jumped into this pioneering um, experience and you didn't choose it. It was sort of thrust upon you. And so it's not surprising that you might be feeling at the moment um, really all over the place, maybe at sea, maybe feeling broken, or maybe feeling like I've got to dig deeper. So I want to just speak into that today. I'm going to share um, just seven, uh, quickly, just seven things that have helped me over the years when I felt that feeling of like, I need to dig deeper uh, and and share them with you today. I'd encourage you to have a pen with you and some paper because I'll go through these fairly quickly. Each one of them you could probably do a series of sermons on. 
So we're going to, you know, be a sort of high level flyover in some of these things. And what I'm going to do after each one is just pause for maybe 10 seconds. It'll give you an opportunity just to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? And maybe jot something down. So that's what the next uh, 15, 20 minutes looks like. So come on a journey with me because I, I, my the thing that's on my heart is this, that you've been thrust into a pioneering situation where the normal constructs of meeting on a Sunday in a church have been taken away and you're navigating this new um, land of how do I um, spiritually bring sustenance in my life when uh, in this new way. So let's jump into them. The first one is this, um, having a growth mindset. A growth mindset is really important. It's this whole idea that God is making you inwardly stronger as your flesh weakens. So um, Paul was talking to the Corinthians about this. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, he, he pens this. And I think it's really pertinent for where you and I are at today. And it says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So this idea is that as the outward feels like it's broken or or wasted away or challenged or struggling, God uses these situations to bring about a growth inside our hearts. And we need to be orientated around saying, God, what are you up to in the midst of everything else looking like it's crumbling? Everything that I've held has held me up is crumbled. Um, There's so many examples, even just in the Bible, of this happening. So Paul, um, you could argue that Paul wrote his best uh, works uh, when he was isolated in a prison. It's amazing. You'd think uh, maybe that would bring out your worst. But Paul brings out this incredible scriptures that we still hold today, but when we read them, we don't always understand it is in a prison cell when he's writing these things. So there's this isolation, there's these structures taken away, and and he pens this incredible theology. Jesus had a similar experience too. Luke, um, when he's describing Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days, says that he went in by the, in by the, uh, led by the spirit as he went in, but he came out empowered by the spirit. Something had happened even in that period of isolation and where all the supports were taken away, where even though outwardly his flesh was wasting away as he fasts, um, there was something happening, strengthening him on the inside. Um, Elijah had a similar experience for 40 days. He ate and then 40 days he ran. And then at the end of that time, he has that, that moment you might've heard about where it says that the God didn't, he didn't hear God's voice in the earthquake or in the fire, but in a still small voice, he hears God's voice incredibly clearly at the end of this isolation time. And the early church experiences as well. You know, um, a lot of the stuff we read in the New Testament uh, happened uh, amongst incredible persecution. Um, AD 50, 60, 70. I mean, Jerusalem's being destroyed. The Christians are being chased. And the church digs deep and uh, starts a process of turning the known world upside down. So it's this idea, this growth mindset, that as the outward structures around us crumble, God wants to strengthen your spirit and bring about a strength into you. 
We need to avoid uh, every form of escapist theology. Um, there was a book that was put out in the 60s, 1960s, called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. And it was this whole idea of uh, things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and then we're going to escape. Uh, and I just think we need to, in our minds, avoid any theology that has this escapism to it. Because um, the truth of it is that God wants to make you stronger on the, out, in, on the inside than what you ever could know. And he often does that through circumstances that, that aren't ideal. So I'd encourage you now, just for 10 seconds, uh, take a moment, maybe put a point down, ask God, am I living in a growth mindset in my spiritual journey? And, uh, and just take a moment now to think about that. The second thing that um, I really want to encourage you that's helped me along the way is, is resisting this idea of outsourcing your Christianity. It's so easy for Christianity to become a spectator sport where we, um, we expect um, you know, the top speakers in the world or the top worship teams in the world to, to do all the work. And we sort of just, um, we just, we just get fed. And it can happen even on a Sunday. It's really possible for you, even on a Sunday, you get out of your car and you walk through the cafe and the foyer and you go in and interact in this worship service where, where basically, uh, basically your spirituality is done for you. And that's not necessarily a new thing for us in our day and age. Um, it's something that even the, the Protestants, the original protesters, actually uh, fought against in the Catholic Church. There was, there was this whole idea that there was not just one mediator between man and God, there was the priest. And, and basically the, the, the priests did the spiritual things and, and you really needed your priest in order to access God. It's this idea of outsourcing your Christianity, living vicariously through someone else. And, and uh, I think in isolation, this is really important for us to resist with everything we've got. Um, it, it, it's like this. As we learn to self-feed from the scriptures, what happens is church then becomes like the icing on the cake rather than the cake itself. The cake becomes your daily spiritual journey with Jesus. The gathering of God's people is like the icing on that cake. And it's beautiful and it's fantastic. And you don't want to live life for too long without the icing. But the the truth of it is you sustain yourself spiritually in the day-to-day, not necessarily once a week on a Sunday. The truth of it is that any person can know Jesus just as well as any preacher or worship leader or pastor out there. And I think um, the thing that I'd really be encouraging to think through right now is this. Do you live your spiritual journey through someone else? Or is it you who can actually know Jesus and know him deeply and learn how to feed from him? I'll just give you a few seconds now to just ponder that idea and just allow the Holy Spirit in the next maybe 10 seconds or so um, to pinpoint if there's any place where, where you're living that journey through someone else. So let's just pause, um, write notes, and um, yeah. The third thing that I'd really encourage you to think about is this whole idea um, of expecting to be more fruitful than ever. So, um, John, when John's writing John's gospel, uh, recording the words of Jesus, and uh, he writes chapters 14 and 15 in particular, just beautiful uh, writing around who the Holy Spirit is and, uh, and deep and intimate connection with Jesus. And I just want to read you the first few verses of John 15 right now. I am the true vine, 
and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, in order that, so that we will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in a vine. Uh, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I've got these three citrus trees uh, in our backyard. Um, I planted them in a place uh, where everything should be right for them to really do well and fruit a lot. Um, They got enough sunshine. I water them. But something happened last spring, and as you probably remember, we had a, probably one of the driest springs we've had in a long time here in this part of the world, um, New, Newcastle in Australia. It was dry. And so they didn't get the rainfall that they needed to fruit. So I've been, um, I've been understanding of that. I don't know how you be understanding of your plants, but as I look at my uh, citrus at the moment, one of them has got no fruit on it. My, my lime tree's only just developed a fruit now and we're almost in winter. And my lemon tree's got four lemons on it and it is a dismal harvest. But my expectation is that these, these citrus trees will be doing a lot better than what they are. Because as, as the gardener in, in my property... I have an expectation that these trees will produce more fruit and better fruit. And it's in that way that that God has this expectation over us, that there will be more fruit being born in our life. And so that's what this passage is really talking about. But he says the key to make that happen is this, to abide, dwell, or remain. Now, I use those three different words because if you're like reading an NIV today or New King James or whatever, there's different words for it. But it all comes back to this central idea of being deeply connected in fellowship, this idea of remaining. Um, It's a word picture because sometimes actually trying to uh, understand deep spiritual things can be difficult. So word pictures are helpful. But it's this idea of um, Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. There's this, this idea of deep connection where if you want to be fruitful, um, you need to be deeply connected to him and allow his life source to flow through you. And it's in a really important thing. Often we can think about this idea and think my relationship to the branch or to the, to the vine doesn't change. But it's really interesting to think about this. Our relationship, we are always going to be sons and daughters of God, but the fellowship, I think, is what this passage is really talking about. You can relationship is like a legal status. I am a son, I am a husband, and I'm a dad. Those things don't change. But how deeply I'm fellowshipping within those relationships can change. I could be a dad that never talks to my kids. Haven't changed a legal status. The fellowship status changes all the time. This idea of remaining is like this idea of deep fellowship. You can be saved and born again and still not participating in a deep relationship, deep fellowship with Jesus. But he wants, you to, he wants you to know him intimately. So here's this idea, big picture. He's planted you for fruitfulness. He's expecting to see more fruitfulness. It doesn't come unless you remain deeply in him. 
just want to pause for a moment and think, is there a level, is there a place of more fruitfulness that Jesus is calling you into? And what does deep fellowship look like for you? Let's just take maybe 10 seconds now. If you want to write some notes, write that. If you want to just pray and say, Holy Spirit, show me where you want more fruit in my life. Okay, fourth thing, uh, trying to race through these. Um, Here it is. Uh, Seek a revelation of his character. Seek a revelation of his character. So um, I used to listen to this lady called Joy Dawson. Um, She was one of the pioneers of Youth with a Mission, and she would talk about hearing the voice of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, two great topics. She was just a, she was well, world renowned for these topics. And I'd listen to this and towards the end of her talks, she would ramp up into this almost crescendo like thing where she'd discuss the character of God. Now I've got it written down for you. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you, but I'll tell you what uh, used to happen in my heart and what I did about this as well. So it's, um, it'd go like this. She'd be finishing her talk and then she'd jump into this. And I'm pretty sure she wasn't reading it. Uh, she did it a lot of the time. It was this, this revelation she had. And it goes like this. She's talking about the character of God. He is supreme in his authority. He's dazzling in his beauty. He's flawless in his character. He's ingenious in his creativity. He's timeless in his existence. He's most exciting person. He's unswerving in his faithfulness and matchless in his grace. Now, there's another 20 or so of these characteristics. But what she'd done is she would just um, recite these and memorize these and dwell on these. And so I decided that was a great idea. So in my spiritual journey, especially in the early days of formation, I, I um, I would rewind the cassette. So those of you who remember cassettes, there was no podcast where you could skip back 10 or 20 seconds or whatever it is. Uh, you had to do it manually. So stop, pause, rewind. And I'd write this down. So I wrote it down in its entirety. And what I'd do was in my prayer time, I would pick one of those characteristics and just focus on it. Now, I must admit, I probably looked a little bit, if you had um, interrupted me, uh, it would look pretty weird. But say, for example, what I would do is unswept unswerving in his faithfulness, I'd just repeat that to myself a lot. And so what I'd do was I'd start to do this meditation around it, but often it was out loud. So, um, you know, if anyone interrupted, I would look at, well, it'd be strange. So this is what I'd do. I'd say he's unswerving in his faithfulness. He's unswerving in his faithfulness. And what would happen was I'd start to remember these moments where God had come through and answered prayer and and his faithfulness. And, And what would happen was as I started to say these things to myself and meditate on these things and remind myself of his character, it would drop deeper into my spirit. And so I could sing things like, great is your faithfulness with this gusto because I had this deeper revelation of what his character was. And so it was such an important thing to get a deeper revelation of what his character is. Um, He is unswerving his faithfulness. And my encouragement to you, if you want to be a person who knows Jesus deeply and knows how to self-feed yourself, that actually getting a deeper revelation of who his character is so that things like unfaithfulness, his faithfulness, not unfaithfulness, faithfulness becomes um, just a part of the fabric of your spiritual walk, then you actually need to spend time meditating on these things. And something happens, the Spirit of God starts to drop into your heart the reality of that thing. And it becomes not just 
there's not just a theology out there. There becomes a personal revelation around the character of God. And it is a game changer because you go yourself into a pioneering situation and you think, God, where are you? Then all of a sudden you're reminded again and again and again of the faithfulness of God, right? So there's so many characteristics of God. You could do this forever, but I would encourage you to, to write a list and start to meditate on some of his characteristics. It will do something deep in your character. So I just want to pause for one second and say, Holy Spirit, what's the characteristic that you want whoever's listening to to meditate on? So let's just take 10 seconds to do that. Jot it down and we'll move on to number five in just a moment. Okay, number five, here we go. Um, Crave obedience. This is really important, crave obedience. Just, I'm going to jump back into that John chapter for a moment and and not do verses one to five. We've done that already, but just jump to chapter, uh, not chapter, verse 10. And it says in verse 10 this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. So there's, Jesus is want to say there's this connection between love and obedience. And I want to be careful about how we, how we think about that connection, because it's really easy. If you grew up in a compliant household, if you grew up in a, if you grew up in, if your journey has been one of, um, I I best comply in order for me to experience love, then this will be a really challenging concept for you to get your head around. And I must admit that a lot of us, um, uh, that was a pretty normal thing, maybe growing up in uh, in the 50s, 60s or 70s. It was a very common thing that um, compliance and love were very much linked together. But I'm not sure this is exactly all it's saying. I think there's saying a relationship between the two, but we don't want to be too linear in this thinking. But um, Jesus is encouraging this idea of that, yes, there is a relationship between obedience and um, and love, and I think this is what Harry wants us to think about it. Um, as you dive down into the Greek word, um, you get this sense of um, keeping guard or keeping watch over obedience. So I, I guess the way I process this is a little bit like this, that God is wanting us to keep watch over the idea of obedience in our heart or guard it, to hold it closely, to have it something we treasure and we value. So rather than just being, um, I guess, a compliant robot where we're like, I must obey in order to experience love. We get this idea that actually God wants us to guard, to watch, or the word I use is crave. See, the thing about this is I, I used to uh, I used to have some young people come to me. And it, it, so when you're discipling young people, youth group, that sort of thing, um, sometimes people are actively doing stuff that you think, yeah, God doesn't really want them doing that. And they're like, how do I start that conversation? But I would have other young people who'd be like, "Um, Matt, can you keep us accountable? I really want to walk the, can you come and tell me when you think I'm off the track or or bring areas of growth to me? And I, I think this is what God really wants us. And this is where we help to really know Jesus deeply. When we can get on the front foot and say, God, what are the areas of obedience that you want to talk to me about? Rather than having to wait for Jesus to come knocking on our door saying, hey, I want to talk I want to talk about this thing. We get on the front foot and we crave obedience. I think it's something that he loves. And it's in that place where this idea of deeper love can be um, very evident in our lives, where we crave obedience. So I guess my challenge around this one is, is there an area in your life that you're not craving obedience? Because it's really hard to get to know Jesus in a deep, 
fellowshipping type of way, if there's areas that you're like, I don't want to know um, that where God wants me to be in these things, it will be a challenge and a, and a blockage to you. So how about we just take a few seconds now uh, and then we'll jump into number six and number seven and we're nearly done. So let's just pause for maybe 10 seconds and, uh, and say, Holy Spirit, um, would you, it, it's like this. There are times in my life where I've not been very passionate around the things of God. And, I, and, and my only prayer could be this, God, would you give me a passion for you? And it's like taking a step back and saying, God, I, I find it hard to obey you, but would you give me a craving to obey you? Because it is um, a really important part of going deeper into knowing who Jesus is. So 10 seconds and write something down or or just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you just reveal where there's not a craving for obedience? Okay, number six. Uh, and then number seven, we're nearly done. Okay, so um, number six, and this is really important for people who are pioneering in spirit into new places of deeply knowing Jesus. Here we go. Um, focus on identity. Focus on identity. Who am I while all of my supports are being challenged? How, how, we, are, how we self-identify and how, who we are is really important. We might, um, we might identify ourselves because of the people we hang out with or the clothes we wear or the job we have. Um, and, or, or, or could be whatever. And if our identity is based on those things, it's on like that sinking sand that Jesus talked about. Um, and he wants our identity to be to rock solid. And it's in pioneering times when sometimes all of those things are removed that we, that we get this sense of who we really are. But Jesus wants us to have a greater understanding of who we are in our identity. Romans 8 verse 15 says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So Paul in Romans is wanting to get this idea that your identity is rock solid around who you are, a son or a daughter of God. And if we um, spend our time focused on that identity, um, it will bring about uh, incredible wealth of depth of relationship and fellowship with Jesus because we're on something that doesn't move. We're on rock solid ground. And so um, my encouragement to you around this would be spend more time on thinking about your identity than about uh, the, the temporal things that try to make up your identity. Um, and it just makes you a lot more confident and, and solid person. So 10 seconds right now, ask the Holy Spirit, maybe jot a note down. Is there something uh, that you are identifying yourself around that is shifting sand and, and God wants to move you under bedrock. Last one. Here we go. Number seven. Uh, jump into this. Embrace the presence of the Holy Spirit. Embrace the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of us may have grown up in a spiritual atmosphere where um, the Holy Spirit was more about theory than about anything else. We might have grown up in a thing where, um, where the idea of emotion and spirituality was very much downplayed. I can remember when I was young, people would talk about uh, that Christianity is like a train where the engine room is facts and right down the end, the last carriage is feelings. And, and that may 
it may be right. It certainly was helpful. But what it can produce in us is this shying away from anything which is of the feeling type aspect of our relationship with Jesus. We can easily uh, tend towards good theology, which you need, um, but we can then sort of like, well, I'm not so sure about moments of emotion or, or deep things that God is doing by the Holy Spirit. But I think this, um, that actually the Holy Spirit manifests the character of God to us. I think about this quite a bit, right? So what is peace? What is peace? Well, peace, you can define peace by theoretically, but there's nothing like actually experiencing peace. When you experience peace, you don't really care too much what the definition is. Or joy. Joy is just a construct until you experience it. Um, Forgiveness is the same. You can say to yourself a thousand times, I'm forgiven, but until you actually experience the Holy Spirit bringing the forgiveness of the Father and, and overwhelming your heart, soul, and spirit and body, then it's just theory. I think this is how it works, that the Holy Spirit actually manifests the presence, sorry, of God, yes, in our lives. It's a bit hard to explain, I guess, but um, I was ministering at a camp once um, up at Chaffee Dam and uh, the whole bunch of Christian kids there, oh, and non-Christian kids as well. And one kid uh, came up at the end of the ministry time and he came from a fairly, I guess, conservative uh, denomination where they were sort of taught that um, you can't trust your feelings, uh, God isn't doesn't move through your feelings, uh, you should avoid feelings at all costs because you can't be a strong disciple with that sort of thing. Anyway, at the end of his ministry time, he comes up to me and he's like, Matt, I felt God for the first time ever right now. And, uh, you know, I'm challenged because I'm really hoping the Holy Spirit's ministering to kids and I'm, I know what his context is going to go back into. But um, it was like, Matt, I have... I've heard about God, I've learned about God, I've read the scriptures, but today I felt him. Uh, and I just thought to myself, yeah, that's the that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. He actually brings God who is out there and manifests him in our bodies. I've had some of the most incredible moments um, as I have been trying to learn to feed myself from the scriptures. The Holy Spirit has come and and being in a pioneering context, come and just reconstructed me because his presence would come on me. There's been times where, uh, sure, some people shake and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, there's just been times for me where I have felt the reconstruction of the Holy Spirit in here. And I have felt even at times the heaviness. And this is why I love to hang out in worship a bit longer because I think worship's a perfect time where um, we can just say, Holy Spirit, I'm here and I'm ready. And I love putting my hands out, all that sort of stuff, because I'm like, I actually want to experience the closeness of the Holy Spirit in my whole body. So that's number seven. And I think that's really important that we, uh, that we encounter him powerfully and not just in theory, but in practice. So I'll just give you a pause just right now and I'm going to wrap up. And, uh, and my great hope is that this week, will be a week where you will um, be charging and empowered and there'll be growth. But anyway, just let's pause for one second and just say, Holy Spirit, am I experiencing all of you that you intended for me? Well, I'd encourage you over the next few days to go back and look at your notes. Uh, Hopefully you jotted some stuff down today and just say, um, Jesus, 
how do you want me to know you better in this season, in this pioneering season of the spirit? And um, this season, I just want to, I guess, finish by saying this, that we can. We can emerge from this wilderness or from this pioneering situation and be stronger and more fruitful and growing and experiencing all there is to know. Um, you, you were made to throw off every mindset that would say this is a time for you to shrivel up and die because this is a time for you to dig deep like you've never dug before. The spirit of the living God wants to come upon you in fresh ways, bring you into a depth of fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit like you've never experienced. And you know what? There's a day coming and we don't know when it is, we can't set a date at this point, but there's a day coming when we were all back together again. And the purpose of God is that you would hit that finish line, not falling over, but like if you've ever seen Usain Bolt, when there was one time he was running in a final of 100 metres, he got to about the 70 metre line and he was so good and so powerful that he started to look around at everyone and just took his foot off the gas. And you know what? God wants us, in this period of time, not to be uh, flailing and falling over the line, but every step we take would be more empowered than the one before. Um, There is unlimited power in the Holy Spirit. There's unlimited power in the name of Jesus. And he wants you to experience that depth this week. Uh, And I just want to say, go pioneers, whether whether you are um, pioneering schools and churches and services, or whether you're pioneering your family or a new job or whatever it is, there is unlimited power in the name of Jesus for you this week. God bless. God bless.